0: and today you know the last couple of weeks we've been studying about about worship and we've our subject has been built around the john the fourth chapter where jesus was talking with the woman at the well there in samaria and last week we saw the gift of god that if you knew the gift of god and who it was that was saying to you give me a drink you would ask of him and you would get he, you would ask Him to give you some living water. And we talked about that. Now, I want to peel that down another layer. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to peel down another layer into this? Uh, we come together on the first day of week of the, as those lively stones. Built together to praise God. We come together to sing. And the Lord healed your voice awful quick there, brother, because you sounded good. You all sounded good. We come together to sing, to praise, to pray, to worship, and then to open up the Word of God to be edified and to be uplifted and to be reminded of the things that we should be and how God would want us to have. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a son of the prophet. But the Lord seems to be working on my spirit and a lot of other people's spirits right now of the time that we're in and the things that's that's going to take place and i, I want to be all seriousness prepare get ready i was reminded as i started setting down the i don't know where it came from but the spirit just put it on me this the lyrics to fogarty's song bad moon rising it's almost like the Holy Spirit put those words in him all those years ago for such a time as this. It says, I see. I'm not going to sing it. It's hard not to sing that though the way it goes. But I see a bad moon rising. I see trouble on the way. I see earthquakes and lightning. Oh, I see bad times today. Now I hear that there's hurricanes blowing I know the end is coming soon. I fear that rivers are overflowing, and I hear the voice of rage and ruin. And then listen, I hope you got your things together, and I hope you're quite prepared to die, because it looks like we're in for nasty weather, and one eye is taken for an eye. So don't go around tonight. Bound to lose your life. Because I fear there's a bad moon on the rise. Before we pray, I'm going to read the word of God. That comes from the Lord when he talks about what it's going to be. And he talks about hurricanes, lightning. I I saw the devil fall as lightning from the sky from the east to the west. And I'm going to read you because this scripture keeps coming onto my heart every time I sit down. And I'm I'm sure that he's leading to something. And I'll tell you which one it is here in a second as it's in this context. Mark 13, listen. Verse 10. The gospel must first be published, published among all nations. You know, we're only living right now in the time where that can happen. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up. I fear that time's coming. Take no thought beforehand what you're going to speak. Neither what you're going to premeditate on whatsoever it is shall be given to you in that hour. And that speak ye. For it's not going to be you that speaks but the Holy Spirit. And now there's going to be brother that will betray brother unto death. The Father, the Son, and children shall rise up against parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end, that same one will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not to be in the temple... Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains and let him that is on the housetop not even go down into the house. Neither take anything out of your house. Let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. And woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. And then here's the verse that keeps ringing in my head. Pray that your flight be not in winter. For those days shall be affliction such was not from the beginning of creation which God created unto this time and never be again. And except the Lord shorten those days no flesh will be saved but for the elect's sake he will shorten the days. Pray that your flight be not in winter. That keeps haunting me. Folks prepare. Winter's coming. See bad times on the way. Be quite prepared. Let's pray. Father as we prepare our hearts and our minds at this time. To worship you in spirit and in truth. Our desire is to be true worshipers. To honor you in everything that we say and do. And Father today. All we're going to do is open up your word. And we're going to see what you say about being Christ-like. I pray that our hearts, our minds, our lives will be challenged by the things that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us through your word today. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your guidance and your love and your mercy and grace. Your son, Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Becoming like Christ. What's that mean? We've had folks wanting to know that. You know, that's our calling. That's one of the things that we're called to be is to be like Christ. Christ's purpose to come into this earth was to seek and to save that which was lost. It was to destroy the power of the one who had power over death. And hell, and to take him down so that he could seek and save the lost, and that you don't have to be under that bondage. But the other thing that he did was he came and he set an example by his life on what he wanted his followers to be. His call to everyone, all of his disciples, is come and follow me. And when you follow someone, you are doing the same thing they are. If they're on this path. You don't go say. I am going to take a circumventant And I'm going to find a shortcut. And I'm going to get there ahead of you. When, when the Lord says follow me. Then you follow him. And that's the purpose of being Christ like. When you look it up. It says it's to transform yourself. Into the likeness of our savior. To be like him. Not to be conformed, as Romans 12:1 and 2 says, to this world, but to be ye transformed in your mind and in your heart into that which Christ would have you to be. Now, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8:28. It's a promise, and I love this. I use it in every application, and it says that we know, we know that all things work together for good. To those who love the Lord. To those who are called according to His purpose. But I want you to look at what that purpose is. What is those who are called according to His purpose? What is it? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That He is the firstborn of many. So the purpose that we are called is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I want you to see the similarity of a couple of scriptures here. I want to start with Hebrews chapter 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it says this in verse 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in the four times unto the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the world. So God is the subject, and he's talking about the Son. And he says, who, and this is Jesus then, who, being the brightness of his glory, of God's glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his word, When He had purged our sins upon that cross, He sat down on the right hand of God on the majesty on high. God the Father says, I sent my Son for a purpose. But the purpose of the Son was to set an example for us. And He was, it says, the express image of His person and the brightness of His glory. Now... That word, the express image and brightness of his glory. Radiance is the word. It's a radiance. And the other word is character. It's karaktos in the original, which is our word for character. He is the express image of the character of God. And its radiance shines to us his glory. We're going to find out in a moment what the glory means. And you know Jesus did just that didn't he? In John chapter 14 and verse 9. Just after he had talked to him about you know I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're going to be there with me. I've got in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going there to build that so that where I am, there ye may be also. And then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. And then he says this, because one of the disciples asked him and said, How do we know the Father, where you're going, and how do we know who he is? We've never seen him. And Jesus said... He that has seen me hath what? Seen the Father. He is the express image of the character of God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So, what's our role? Here's where we get to going now. Jesus gave us the example, the express image. What are we supposed to do with that? How about 1 Corinthians chapter 11? and verse 1 where Paul tells them be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ that reflection that Jesus was of the father of his character and image and the radiance of his glory Paul says I am following that I am imitating the Lord Jesus for you so that you can see it and you be imitators of me as I am of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 oh we're coming back to this one later but Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 says therefore be imitators of God in everything that you do not just some things not in the things that you want but in everything that you do be imitators of God as his beloved children. Walk in love. Live a life that's filled with love just as Christ Jesus also loved you. And what did he do for you? He gave himself up for you. He gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice unto God as a fragrant aroma does that take you back to about four or five weeks ago when we talked about that incense and how that they would mix that up and that the priest whenever he would go into the tabernacle there was the altar of incense and he took his censer with the hot coals and this special incense would go on it and that would arise up to God and every morning and every evening that happened that's our life the life of Jesus Christ was a fragrant aroma day and night going up to God. We are to be imitators of that in our life. We are to walk as beloved children of God, imitating the, the Father just as Jesus imitated the Father. And our life to be that fragrant aroma, that example. And it says that it was offered up. He gave himself up. What does that mean? really mean that means that you change your life you die to self jesus was in the heavenly realm and he gave that up and he came to earth and then he gave that life up totally in service unto god for us in return in thanksgiving We return a life just like His back unto Him. And this passage goes on then to kind of explain a little bit of that. And He says, you know, make your life an aroma unto God. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let that not be once named among you as becoming saints. Neither filthiness or foolish talking or jesting, which isn't convenient, but rather... Give your life to giving of thanks. For ye know this, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And it goes on even with more examples. But he's saying this is an example of you giving up of yourself and becoming Christ-like. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said... If any man will come unto me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is exactly what every spirit-filled writer of the New Testament wrote and tried to explain to us. And I loved how Paul expressed it to the Roman brethren. We're going to camp here for a minute, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 told you this is going to be all about scripture we're going to do the whole chapter today okay i love this chapter this is the chapter of being christ-like okay it tells us from front to back now in this gospel message that he wrote to the romans he starts out by telling them he says the I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And folks, it is also the power of God unto changing your life. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God, and that's why we must be in it. And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he goes on to tell us that y'all were under sin. Every soul... The soul that sinneth it shall die. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he's letting them know so that they can be thankful for the gift of God. That God gave in exchange for that. So that you might have life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then in chapter 5 he goes on to say. that. But now therefore we are justified. Now being justified by faith we have a peace with God. And now we have access unto His grace wherein you can restand and you can rejoice in the hope of His calling. In due time, Christ is going, while you were without strength, Christ died for you. And now you are justified by His blood. You are saved from wrath through Him. And then he said, Jesus is God's gift of grace that should abound to us. What did we talk about last week? If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you to drink. He's saying you all, just like that woman. If you realize where you were and you see those nail prints of the gift of God. When you see that, you'll realize that you are now justified through your faith in him. And that the wrath to come is not going to have any dominion over you. He came and that grace of God's gift abounded to us so that the power of sin that reigns in death was defeated and grace now reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And the people said in response to Paul telling them about this grace and about this Lord Jesus Christ that died and has now given them access unto God and His grace through that, they said, if God's grace is shown and abounds through sin and destroys it, then the way that I can glorify God is to sin. Oh, I want to sin more and more so that God's grace can abound and cover over me, and that way God is glorified by how much He can can forgive me of my sins. Isn't that just like us? (laughs) Isn't that just the way a human... A fleshly mind would be. And so Paul then has to write Romans chapter 6. And now if you're there with me and you're following along. We finally came to that point in Acts chapter 6. In verse 1 Paul has to correct him on that. And he said, what shall you say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace can abound? You see that was the attitude. And he said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not. And I want you to realize how many times he's going to say know ye. It's something that we need to know. It's something that should already be known. But if not, you, you need to grab a hold of this concept. Do you not know that so many of you as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Did you realize that your baptism, when you made that confession of faith that I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God... And that he came to this earth and he was a born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died upon that cross for my sins. He was buried. He was resurrected and he sits and reigns on the right hand of God. That when you make that confession of faith and you say, I want to be baptized into Christ, and I've done this a couple times, but it has to be re emphasized. He says, Know ye not that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? you were saying I die I am buried, I am planted with him in that water as same way as he was buried in that tomb. And that when I arise out of there, I arise to a newness of life. I am no longer the creature that went down into that water. I am a new person. He says, don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you made a commitment to be baptized into his death. What's that? He gave his life up. For the sake of others. He says, therefore, verse 4. Being buried with him. And that, and that takes away any other types of that. This right here is not being buried. Okay? Being buried with him by baptism into death. Now catch this. You were baptized into death. Just as saying. What did Jesus say that night? He said, Father... If there is any other way except for death that you can forgive mankind of their sins, can we do it? But if not, if this cup cannot pass from me, not my will, but thy will be done. When we baptized into Christ, we are baptized into that same death to self and now to live For the will of God. That, what's the purpose? That is presenting a purpose for everything that was just said. Why? That, like as Christ then raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. He had a new everlasting life whenever he arose out of there. He was already as God, but his human form now was transformed into eternity. He arose as a new person who was now going to be seated on the right hand. We, when we make that commitment and we follow Jesus to become Christ-like, We are, as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of Father, now we walk in a newness of life. For if we have been planted together, do you not know that when you do that, you are planted, you are buried, you are planted together with Christ. We are planted together in that same likeness of His death to die to self that we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. You want eternal life. You want to glorify God. Realize that you are making a new statement. And you are a new person now in Christ. And you're going to be like His resurrection. We shall also be like Him in His resurrection. Glorified. Eternal. And then it says, knowing this. Here again. We, you got to catch it. Know this. That your old man, your old life... Your old person. Your old man of sin was crucified with Christ. That represents the crucifixion of your old man of sin. And to walk in a newness of life. You are now the crucifixion with Christ. With is a term of union. It brings you into union with Jesus Christ. And by dying to self, His death... Becomes one with your death, and that's where the forgiveness comes in. His death and your death are the same, so that when God sees you, He sees Jesus Christ and His blood that covered, because you became union with Him. When you crucified yourself with Christ. That your body of sin might be destroyed. And that henceforth from that point forward. We should not serve sin. Because he that is dead is freed from sin. And if we be dead with Christ. Then we believe also that we shall live with him forever. Amen. Knowing this. Third time. Knowing this. That Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death doesn't have any more dominion over him. Praise God. How about that? There is no more dominion of death over him. When you are raised up, there is now no more dominion of death over you. For Jesus died once to sin. He doesn't have to keep dying over and over again for sin. He died once for sin. In that now he lives. He lives forever. Unto God. Likewise. That means the same thing for us folks. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves. To be dead indeed unto sin. But alive. Alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore. Don't let sin reign. In your mortal body. And I want to hone in on that for a minute. Because that does not mean that we don't sin i sin all the time i i i look at myself with the apostle paul he said oh wretched man that i am and the things that i don't want to do i do and the things that i do i don't want to do but i can't help myself and it just it just keeps trying to edge its way and work its way out and the words that he uses there is the word of a festering splinter your old sin nature of human flesh when you become in christ your old nature is like a splinter festering inside of you all the time And that thing that easily besets you as it says in Hebrews chapter 12 to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. Those sins that easily affect me always want to try to work its way out like that splinter that's in there and hurts and tries to form a head and come out and he's that's what he's saying when i don't want to do it but it wants to do it and it's festering within me you're going to fall to sin you're going to sin but what paul is saying here to the romans is do not let it reign over you it's not going to be your boss it's not going to be your life it's not going to be who you are You have died to that. When you fall, you ask for forgiveness. He says, I am faithful and just to forgive you. And I will not only forgive you of all your sins, but I will cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. That's all you do is ask now. So you're going to do it. But don't let it be your life. It is not to be your Lord. It is not to reign over you let not sin reign now in your body that you should obey it and its lusts thereof neither yield that word yield it's going to be used twice here the word yield means to stand close beside and present and it's like that splinter that's right in there and wants to present itself and come out it says do not allow that present itself do not allow the reigning of sin to present itself in your life but now you're going to yield or let it present yourselves unto God as those who are alive from that dead lifestyle and your members or your instruments the things of your body is now to be servants of the righteousness unto God sin shall not have dominion over you And that's the reigning again. It does not have to reign over you. Flee the devil. Or give charge to the devil. And he will flee from you. So don't allow him to have reign. Because he doesn't have that authority anymore. Because you're a Christian. You are in Christ. And you're going to be life like him now. It shall not have dominion. You are not under that law. But you are under grace. What then? Here's your question again. Shall we keep sending because we're not under the law, but under grace? No, God forbid. Know ye not. There's the fourth time. Know ye not that to whom you yield, you present yourself to and before as your Lord. You are their servants to obey whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. What did Jesus say? You can't serve what? two masters can you 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 gotta you gotta pick one and that's what he's saying here so but god be thanked and i always love it when they say god be thanked because right after i get my butt spanked he says but thank god for something thank god that ye were in that old lifestyle but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has been delivered unto you and now you are made free from all of that because you are now the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity or the weakness of our flesh. We, we are weak and we're going to fall but don't let it rain. Don't let it have the grip. Don't allow it to get you in the grip and you say I can't get out of it because you can. You have the power and authority through the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you to, to kick him out and tell him to flee God be thanked that you've obeyed from the heart that doctrine so now yield your members as servants under righteousness and holiness for when you were servants of sin you didn't have that righteousness it was freed from you what fruit and here's a question that he asks now what fruit had you in those things that you had in your former life were they really good for you was, was they good for you and bore a lot of fruit of those things? Now you're ashamed of a lot of those things. The end of those things would have resulted in death, he said in verse 21. But now, I like the but now and the but God be thanked. You are made free from that and you become servants to God. And your fruit now is unto holiness. And the end of that is eternal everlasting life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to be (laughs) Christ-like? Here we go. That's the Christ-like chapter, isn't it? You're buried with him, you die to the old self, and you imitate him in life. And you realize that the old life would have ended in death, but the new life ends in everlasting life. So it's well worth the exchange. Now, turn with me. You guys want to go a little deeper? You got a little more time to spend with us today? Let's worship God and a little more in the Word. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. I told you when we hit that little red slide, I, I put it like that so you'd remember it. told you we was coming back to this one. You remember that we're supposed to be? We are God's children. And so we are supposed to imitate God in everything that we do in this life then because we're His dear children. We're to live a life filled with love and following the example of Christ that he set before us and that our life is now offered up to God as a sacrifice. It's no longer ours. We died to our life and we are now his. Well, this chapter is also one of Christ-likeness. This is chapter number two on being Christ-like. We're not going to get deep on this one, but I just want you to hear another way Another way that you become Christ-like. He begins in verse 15, dear brothers and sisters. and And it begins at home and he says in verse 15, Be careful how you walk. Walk as wise and not those who are foolish or unwise. Make the most of your time that you have upon this earth because the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Don't be clouded with certain things that will... Keep you from understanding the will of God for your life and it would detract you from that, but give thanks in all things through Christ Jesus our Lord. Be subject to one another. This is where you start to become humbled and humility, and it's no longer my life, but just as Christ gave himself up for us, we have now given ourselves up for God and for God's folks. And he says, we are given up of ourselves to submit to each other in fear of Christ. And then he says this in verse 22. Here we go. You want to be Christ-like? Starts at home. Verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now this message is for everyone. Everyone. And whether you're married, you're not married, you're looking to be married, have been married, it still gives you an idea of Christ's likeness and what God expects. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church. And he, being the savior of the body, as the church is subject unto Christ so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. This is a continuation of that verses 1 and 2. Of in everything we are imitating God and Christ. And how he gave himself up for us. Wives you are making a commitment. Pick the right one. Because you're making a commitment to be subjected. unto him as your Lord. As Christ As the church is under Christ, so is the wife under her husband. Husbands, you've got a charge. Verse 25. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her and cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, he might present to him the church in all of her glory. No spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So also, husbands ought to love their own wives as Christ loved the church and as your own body that you do. He who loves himself loves his wife also as himself. No man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it Just as Christ also does the church. And because we are members of his body. A lot of people have a hard time following both of these things. But this is the design of God. And when it is followed in both ways as the husband being the leader of this thing. When he will love his wife as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. And recognizes. I dwelled on that. What does Christ think about his church? Are we always perfect? Are we always doing what he wants? How often does he have to really. Just love us for who we are. Husbands. Like I say these messages always affect me. Before they affect anyone else. I work with them all week. You guys only get an hour. Husbands. If you will love your wife. As Christ loved his church. And gave himself up for it. And takes care of it. And nourishes it. And strengthens it. And cares for it. Like his own body that he nourishes And cherishes. If you will do that. And love her in that way. You ain't got to worry about her. Because going to share a secret with you and this is a deep secret secret of the word of god I'll give a lesson on it one day for you women god designed them to be responders they are to respond to the husband to the male there's a whole lot of things that get involved with that you can read first timothy chapter 2 And find out why some things don't happen because of that. You can look at what happened in the garden and find out what happens. Because a woman is a responder to the man. You remember the dream of Joseph. Whenever he had a dream and he told it to his family. And he says, I saw the moon, the sun, the moon, and the uh, twelve stars. The sun represented his father and the moon represented his mother. Which one is the light giver and which one is the light reflector? The woman is the reflector of the glory of her husband. It goes on to say here as the man is the reflector underneath of Christ Jesus, his head. They are designed to reflect what you give them. So husbands, if you will love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, then she, in turn, will respond unto that as, what do you want me to do? That's the synergy of the relationship. Paul goes on here to say, verse 31, for this reason, and he takes it all the way back to that time in the garden of creation. For this reason, a man leaves father and mother and joined to the wife and they are one flesh. And he says, this is a great mystery. The mystery is great surrounding this. And I just give you a little portion of that mystery. He says, but now I'm speaking to you in reference of Christ and the church. Who is Christ married to? Who is his bride? Us husband and wife relationship is the relationship as Christ to the church and we look to that relationship of him and us as to us and ours and he says that is the great mystery I'm speaking of Christ and the church nevertheless each individual among you that that means all of us each one is also to love his own wife and I'm going to share something else with you right there if you'll notice The woman is never asked to love, but to be in submission to the one who loves her. The man is commanded to love the wife. And she responds to that love in how she portrays herself with him. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself. And the wife must see that she respects and the word there is reverence. Her husband. You want to be like Christ? We opened it up. That's, that's being like Christ. As the worship team comes on back up. <laughs> What's it mean to be Christ-like? Well... We only picked some low hanging fruit today and we didn't spend a lot of time exegeting. We just read the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit work them on our heart. But to be like Christ is for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And the woman to then respond to that love just as a Christ as we are to respond to Christ and imitate him. Because of the love that he had in giving himself up for us. We now give ourselves up for him and that's the synergy in marriage that's being christ-like we learned that being christ-like was when we when we believe in jesus christ and we are planted together in death with him that we arise into a newness of life to imitate him because we respond to his love towards us on forgiving us of our sins to be like him and we respond back to him to be like him and we die to self And that commitment is made when we have believed in Him as our Savior and Lord. And I go back to Romans 6 there, 1 through 4. If you have not made that commitment this day, if you have not been buried in baptism and planted with Him in the likeness of His death to arise a new creature and no longer does sin have dominion over you, no longer are you in that walkway and path of death, But you want to make a pathway of everlasting life. Today is the day. If you hadn't planned on it. I got clothes in the back that will fit you. So you don't have to leave here wet. We got towels and clothes. And we'll even do the laundry for you. All you got to do is come on up. And to the rest of us. What a great couple of sections of scriptures. Of what it's to be like Christ like amen. And how we respond in our life. To be just like him. And to respond to his grace. Let's pray, and Father, may we be challenged by the words that the Holy Spirit moved these folks to write and to give us. They are alive and powerful today and sharper than any two-edged sword. May they pierce to the dividing asunder of our soul and our spirit and our joints and our marrow. May they ooze within us and become a part of us. May we reflect, Father, daily on what it is to be Christ-like. And we ask this, Father. We ask for your help because it's tough and it goes against our flesh and it grinds against us and we don't like to give up of ourselves but Christ did. And may we, with your help of your Holy Spirit and your word, may we strive every day to be more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.